with Bulelani Mkotli. So he's here with me. He's the national coordinator and a new nation uh, at New Nation Movement, talking about uh, the issue of uh, independent candidates, the current electoral system and its constitutionality. constitutionality. Bulelani, thank you very much, my brother, for coming through. I really appreciate you coming through to studio at this time. Uh, it's not an easy thing. It's late at night and so forth. So thank you very much for coming through. Thank you for this time, O'Brien. Even uh, I want to create even your listeners. I had hoped that we were going to be joined by a constitutional law expert to help us navigate through some of the technicalities of our conversation, because uh, obviously I, you know, I don't have that kind of background. But let's see what we can do, and uh, I'm hoping that our listeners will help us and they'll get involved in the conversation. Yep. You, on the 8th of March, went to court. Is it the 8th of March, right? 7th of March. 7th of March. Yes. For what reason? And maybe you, you could tell us uh, once again what the, na- the New Nation Movement is all about. All right. Let me start with the second question. Yeah. Uh, the New Nation Movement is a platform um, that is really designed to um, invite uh, South Africans who want to contribute positively. Yeah. Uh, all those that know that they have solutions, uh, but they do not know how to bring those solutions about. So the, it's designed to be a neutral and a principled platform that is nonpartisan and all-inclusive. So for, for the betterment of the nation. Yeah. So we're literally saying anyone who want, who knows that they have a contribution to make, no matter how insignificant it may look in their eyes, uh, they must get in touch uh, because we're saying for for the longest of times, we have been masters of diagnosing issues in this country. But very few people have been saying, I'm raising my hand to say, how can I be part of the solution? So, so it's basically a think tank sort of platform. Well, we could say yes, but we we are we believe that we go beyond just being a, a think tank. Uh, we want to be very practical. We want to to get our hands dirty. For example, we have been engaging uh, with the traditional leaders, with the kings, um, you know, to say how can we be of assistance? Uh, because I mean, the issue of the land, which is very topical, and uh, most of the, the 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 kings and the traditional leaders have actually uh, put in claims, land claims in 1998, but those claims have never really been ratified. Um, um, so even some of the land that is being spoken of to be expropriated without compensation is some of the land that the kings had actually uh, 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 laid a claim yeah. um, against. Yeah. You know, so yes. So we'll talk one day about the kings because yeah. I've got some of my own thoughts about I know. the kings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the kings, the kings, the kings. We love the kings. <laughs> I love the king. Oh, double one eight eight three oh seven oh two. Give us a call. Oh two one double four six oh five six seven. Have you heard of the New Nation Movement? Have you uh, engaged them on some of the issues that they raise? Here is an issue that I found fascinating in the first edition of our conversation with Bulelani Mkotliswa, uh, the national coordinator of this organization. And it has to do with the electoral system. And I'm cutting to the change, Chase. There were so many other things that we talked about. But what you said to me, which I found fascinating, was that the current electoral system that has a strong leaning on party political representation as opposed to uh, individuals who are independent uh, um, candidates. Uh, candidates who represent particular geographical constituencies is in fact unconstitu- unconstitutional. And 
my very surface understanding of the law is that if something is unconstitutional, it is also illegal. Well, you are so correct, uh, Aubrey. Um, I stand by the words that I said two weeks ago here. Um, and I, 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 rem- I remember I promised that I was going to find for you where is that uh, in the Constitution. Yes. Uh, it is in Schedule um, 6, which deals with the transitional issues. Yes. Uh, and that is in subsection 3 that says, despite the repeal of the previous Constitution, and this that was the National Party Constitution. No, no, no. It's no? Now this is referring to the interim constitution of 1993. Ah, yes. Okay. So this is the 1996 one. So it says, despite the repeal of the previous constitution, schedule two to that constitution, as amended by an extra A to this schedule, applies A to the first election of the National Assembly under the new constitution. Let me read that again. I mean, it may not be very clear. Yeah, because, uh, because it, is, it isn't as explicit as I thought it might be. Well, yes, yes but but look, um, our legal team, when they looked at it, they said this is very clear in terms of the time frame that it actually uh, it speaks to. Yes. Uh, because it says it applies to the first election. All right, let's bring our listeners into this conversations that that might not have been privy to the first one. Yep. So Bulelani is arguing, uh, you know, uh, and of course his organization, the nation, the New Nation Movement, and you went to court on the 7th, on the 7th of March, and we'll March, talk a little yes. bit about that in a few moments' time, that in terms of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, in terms of Schedule 6, yeah? Yes. The current, I mean, the current um, electoral system is actually illegal. It's actually unconstitutional because it was supposed to have been done away with in the first um, democratic um, installment of the National Assembly, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, And that that did not happen. And he points to that particular uh, provision in the Constitution to say that that is where it actually says that we were supposed to have negotiated through the installation of a task team that was headed by Van Zales Slabbert back in the day, commissioned by the President of the Republic at the time, Nelson Mandela, to investigate a different electoral system that was going to be a lot more um, inclusive, fairer, or whatever the case may be. But that did not happen. Why? And is my, is my account of history correct? Yes, well, I think um, maybe the only thing that I would like to correct uh, um, is that in terms of Fancel Slabat and in the book that he has written, uh, he makes it very clear that he was approached by uh, Chief Mangosutu Buteles in 2001. So this means that this took place during the time of uh, the former president, Tabombeki. Even though part of our research has shown us that um, even during the time of the late um, uh, President Mandela, um, he actually had started it to initiate this process. But in terms of uh, of the book, Francis Lapat only makes reference to that one. And I would like to read that because I think it is very, very important okay. um, for so, us. So it wasn't President Nelson Mandela who commissioned it? As far as, as, far as we understood, is, is he, Mandela started the process. Okay. 
uh, even though in, in in his book Francis Labat makes reference only um, to former president Tabombeki. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. So if you allow me, sure. I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm I'm going to read that for you because yeah. it is going to help us greatly. Yeah. Um, Dr. Francis Labat says. I tabled the Electoral Task Team report to the Cabinet in March 2003. Yes. In all my experience as a facilitator, I have never felt so used, abused, and insulted. It started off badly and ended worse. Yes. Chief Mangosutu Butelez, in his capacity as Minister of Home Affairs, approached me in early 2001 and said that the Cabinet had unanimously agreed that I should chair the task team. Mm. I said to him, are you sure and do you really think the ANC is serious about exploring alternatives? He said that with the certification of the constitution by the constitutional court in 1996, the finalization of the electoral system had been postponed and now had to be looked at as a matter of urgency. I hope you are noting some of those critical yes. things. Yep. He goes and, on to and, say, and that's from the book The Last White Parliament by Friedrich van Zyl Slabert, I believe. Yes. Yeah? Yep. And then he says, I waited one year for my letter of appointment. President Becky, in that period, when asked how the ETT was coming on, which is the electoral task team, replied in parliament that it was doing fine and was being chaired by Dr. Van Salesleibert. By then, Mutelezi was almost apoplectic with frustration and was convinced that the delay in my appointment was done deliberately to humiliate him. I made an appointment with Deputy President Jacob Zuma, with whom I was on friendly terms. I said to him that the situation was becoming totally ridiculous and untenable and that I was no longer available. Open quote, good God, no, you can't. We will look like Mugabe, close quote. That's so, Zuma saying to Fancy Slaba. Yes, yeah, okay. this is Zuma saying to Fancy Slaba. I said to him that if within two weeks I did not get a letter of appointment, I was out. And so a year after I was approached, the ETT got off the ground. At the very first meeting of the ETT, most of the representatives from the IEC, which is the Independent Electoral Commission, more or less made it clear that the ETT exercise was a waste of time and that the current system should remain. I said, if this was the prevailing view, let's close drop and go home. The majority, however, felt we should at least explore alternatives. You know, so I'm just saying... Um, this the situation that we're finding ourselves in, Aubrey, is a situation that Dr. Van Salesleibert found himself in as far back as 2001. In spite of the fact that, if you listen to the, the, the earlier parts of this extract, it was very clear that according to the Constitution of 1996, the electoral system still needed to be finalized. Which is why I said to expect the drafters of the constitution, our current constitution, had envisaged that the 
a current election or the electoral act of the time was a transitional one. So it was a temporary one that was supposed to serve just for one term. Hence the clause that you quote, uh, section six in the, not six, is it six? Schedule six. Schedule six. In the constitution is that which deals with the transitionary period. Exactly. So you're saying to me first that there was, you see, because many of us don't know this, that within the constitution, there was already installed a bridging process called the transitional schedule. Yes. From the constitution that we currently have to the one that would be finalized after the T, what's the NTT? ETT, which process. is the electoral task team. And the electoral task team, which had been uh, set in motion by President Nelson Mandela, but cu- in the custodianship of uh, the then Minister of Home Affairs, uh, Mangosu Tubtelezi, uh, took a year to be established, much to the frustration of Fanzel Slabot, who had been uh, pointed to as the man who would lead that particular commission to explore what the next electoral system would look like. But Correct. There had been unanimous agreement, if I understand you correctly, that the current electoral system that we have at the moment, which was supposed to end at the end of 1999, was there only for transitional purposes. Give me, help me understand. What were the issues at the time that necessitated a transitional constitution that would later be ratified, headed, that process headed by, by Fanseil Slabot? What were the issues? Why was there a need for a transitional period? Perfect. I think if I were to take us back to our interview two weeks back, yes. uh, some of your callers were very spot on in pointing to the fact that the death and then assassination of Krisani um, led to the fast-tracking of some of the processes hmm. uh, in order to avoid civil war and all those things. So even some of the things that, um, you know, the, the Cordesa and the, that transitional government was putting into place, um, which was, the, you know, how our, the electoral system, they now had to look at something that was going to be very quick so that they could agree on and they could have the elections uh, as soon as possible at that time. So the issue here is that what was the ideal situation and what was being proposed at the time, according to our research, was that we need to have a direct representation. But because of a number of things, Two of those of the major things were, were that the black areas were not properly demarcated. So we were going to need to demarcate all, I mean, which is the larger sections of the nation was not demarcated. So that we were, problem continues to persist to this day. To, to date. Yep. So that was one of the issues. And one of the, the other issues that was raised uh, was that the leaders of the liberation movements were not necessarily well known, you know, uh, by the locals because they were either banned or in exile, you know. So there was a sense that there would be an unfair advantage, you know, to the guys, you you know, of the Nationalist Party government and all those that were prominent that were on TV all the time. Uh, And then the other area that we just learned, um, which is even more critical to us, is the fact that the Nationalist Party government 
was concerned that if they were to go a direct representation route at that time, the ANC was going to clean sure. the elections. Absolutely. They were going to get over 90% of the, uh, you know. And if it had gone the one man, one vote route, yes. route not the proportional representation uh-huh. route, the ANC would have had an even greater landslide than oh, what it yes. did. That Much. was the concern of the National Party government yes. at the time. All right, okay. And I think in the interest of government of national unity. At that time. At that time. Yeah. The, the the system of a proportional representation became the best system. And it was good for that period. But even when those concessions were made, it was very clear that that was going to be a transitional setup. Because if, if you look at the yeah. three, or particularly the first two areas that I mentioned, the first one being the demarcation of the previously... Uh, Bantu stands and all those areas uh, and the fact that the leaders of the liberation movement were not well known after five years that thing should have, all those two areas should have been resolved you know um, so for us our understanding is that that was one of the reasons uh, why this thing was was a transitional setup O double one eight eight three oh seven oh two would like for you to get involved in this conversation as I speak to Bulelani Mkotliswa, national coordinator of New Nation Movement. He's raising what I think can be a very explosive issue, yeah, because it co- it puts into question the very constitutional constitutionality of the current uh, electoral system and therefore maybe the legality of it. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about that. Um, on 11883 or 021446 let me let me let me just try and get my ducks in a row so basically see because I'm still needing a little more convincing about whether or not your interpretation of what schedule 6 of the constitution as you've read it to us conclusively delivers the idea that the current uh, electoral system, which is basically a continuation of a system that was supposed to have been uh, dealt with or done away with by the end of 1999 uh, period of elections or um, you know governance, uh, is in fact saying what you suggest it says, that there was an understanding that by then it had to have ended. Uh, give me some more meat. How do you arrive at that conclusion? And who were the people that made the agreement that by the end of the 1999 period of governance, this system should have been done away with? Um, How do you conclusively get to that? I know that you've had legal advice on this matter, but colloquially, for us lay people, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, it's going to be very difficult for me, uh, Aubrey, to, to give you conclusive answers. Okay. Um, partly because I was not there at the time. Um, but in terms of what is written, number one, I would love, you know, if there's any caller who is, a, you know, who is an expert or who understands the Constitution, that in terms of Schedule 6, what are the implications of Schedule 6? Yes. Because as far as I understand, Schedule 6 deals with the transitional issues. So the very fact that there was a transitional 
issue means that there was a transition from something to something. Of course. Okay. So I'm happy to, to accept that. I'm really happy to accept that. That you are making the argument that if the constitution has a schedule in it that talks of a transitional period, it obviously implies a transition. Yes. We now need to establish whether the transition that you are talking about is what you are suggesting as we have this conversation. Why do you say so? Well, Aubrey, the point that um, if, if, you, if you read this again, uh, which says, despite the repeal of the previous constitution, schedule two to that constitution, and we know that this is the 1996, which is the final constitution, yes. the one that we're using yes. uh, today. So it's 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 this is speaking to the repeal of the previous constitution, the GNU, so which is the which was the interim constitution, oh, the, the interim, 1993 yeah. ah, yes, interim I that. constitution. Yes, yes. So we'll also understand that that was by design a transitional yes constitution. Yes. Anyway. Yes. But what this point is making to us is that despite of that being a transitional one. Yes we still have not resolved the issues. So we are continuing to speak on that very matter of it being a transitional yes, matter. Yes, yes, I'm not sure if I'm I get that, I get that. So let me so, try and paraphrase. So yes. you're saying to me that there is an acknowledgement by Schedule 6 of the Constitution. Yes, the current Constitution. Yes, which is the current Constitution, yes. that the matters of transition had not been conclusively dealt with. Aha. That is why we have this transitional issue. Exactly. Now, my question is, and I really am asking this question from deep ignorance, yeah? Are you telling me that all those people at the IEC, the... The National Assembly, and all of those things don't understand what you've just said to me now? I would be lying if I were to say they do not understand. So why have they not had that conversation and concluded the matters arising out of con uh, Schedule 6 of the Constitution as it stands now? My, well, my assumption is that they are, are banking on our ignorance as a people. Because the truth is, South Africans do not take uh, much interest in understanding the intricacies of our constitution. Indeed. You know, so I think that they have been banking on that. Um, you know, so which is why we have continued um, to have this. But not only that, Aubrey, the issue here, which I think we must appreciate, is the fact that the ANC government and the, rather the ANC and most of the liberation movements were really credited for our liberation. So there was that sense that, no, we can trust these guys. These guys had given up their lives. You know, uh, many people died in the process. So we can, we can trust them. And unfortunately, um, I think after, you know, the 15 years and then the, the, the presidency of Jacob Zuma, that's when many of the things began to come out very clearly in the open. But from what I read earlier, it clearly shows that even during Tabombeki, who is one of, I mean, I, I must admit, I love Tabombeki, you know, as a, as, as a president and what he was able to do for the country. But when I begin to see certain things like this, which I believe are fundamental rights um, being trampled on, then that's when I begin to, you know, to say, well, maybe uh, 
we gave these guys too much leeway. We gave them so much liberty. To what was what was Tabumbeki's uh, role in all of this? Well, remember, um, at the time when Francis Labad was officially commissioned, that was in 2001, and that's when it took the whole year for him to get a letter of appointment. And this is when Mangosutu Butelezi felt that the ANC was delaying the whole process just to spite him. Ah. And yet the issue was far deeper than that. You know, because now when the, 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 the IEC guys came, according to this extract, and some of the, the, the ANC MPs, it became very clear that the IEC and the ANC leadership were not committed to, to exploring alternative um, electoral systems. But, uh, and, uh, and I'm sure this is the question that is on many people's minds. Surely it would have been to the advantage of the ANC to have a system of governance that was constituency-based because the ANC at the time enjoyed the favor, the love of the greater part of the constituents of this country. Why would the ANC not be interested in an uh, electoral system that is about about? one man, one vote, independent um, um, <clears throat> candidates or people that were directly connected to a particular candidate. Why would the ANC not be interested in that? Because that would obviously put them at an advantage. Well, my sense, uh, Aubrey, is that this time about nine years had gone, eight to nine years had gone, and, and I think they were beginning to see the benefit and the value of the system that they had adopted. And let's, let's just talk very quickly before I take some calls. 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567. Very, very succinctly, tell me what was the system that they had adopted from your point of view? The system was the proportional representation. That's the system that was uh, adopted and that was the one that was supposed to be a transitional system. Describe its benefit to the ANC as it was then realized nine years later. Well, it's going to be very difficult. But my view is that at the time, they, remember, a, the ANC was getting closer to the 66%. Yes. Um, to be able to change the constitution. Yes. Yeah. You know, to, to, to have that absolute control. Um, so... For me, I think that's what they were now gunning for, as opposed to opening themselves up to a system that uh, maybe the cracks were beginning to show even amongst themselves. So they understood that should they adopt a system that was going to allow independent candidates, they were yeah. in a weaker position ah. than they were in in 1994. Ah. 011-883-0702. I'm going to take a few more calls. Still a lots of lots of questions in my head. Would love to hear what your thoughts are about these revelations from uh, New Nation Movement. And, uh, of course, talking to Bulelani Mkotliswa, their uh, national coordinator. We'll talk also about the um, court case that took place on the 7th. I think that's also very seminal to this conversation. Felix is in Nelspreet in Bumalanga. Felix, hi. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Oh, yes. I think this is purely ignorance. And it's it's lack of understanding and probably laziness. You see, if you want slavery, you will make a constitution that permits slavery. And that was the constitution that was used during slavery. If you want 
colonization. You will make a constitution that permits colonization. If you want apartheid, you will make a constitution that permits apartheid. So you can run with it and you can make everybody to obey your apartheid rules. But if you want a democratic constitution, then you have to make a constitution in which the people shall participate directly in choosing their leaders. That is what democracy means. It is a constitution by the people for the people that the people will be able to elect their leaders directly, their premiers, their leg, uh, members of legislature, their president directly. That's what, it is. That's what democracy means. So if you do not do this, it means that you're actually not, not practicing democracy. It means what you are practicing is actually, uh, I don't know how to put it. Because what it means... Some people have said dictatorship by majority. Exactly. If the people then does not have the chance to say, look, this guy is from my area, I know him, he's going to represent us properly, and we are going to vote for him. That's what democracy means. It means that the people themselves, they, are cho- they will choose their leader, they will choose their premier, they will choose the members of parliament by themselves. They may come from any party. Like, for example, ANC may present you to represent them in my locality or ESF or whatever, then I'll be able to choose that. Okay, this guy is from my locality, and I'm going to choose him to be my premier or to go to the parliament on my behalf. It may come from any party. That's what democracy is. If you don't do that, that means you are not allowing your people to choose directly who they want to represent them. They just give you a blank check. Give you a blank check, vote for a party. Whether you put a lunatic, it doesn't matter to anybody. It means that the people do not have a choice to choose their leader. Felix, let me let you go there. Thanks very much for your call. Godfrey is in Reimsach. Hi, Godfrey. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Godfrey. What is on your mind, sir? I agree with your guest wholeheartedly. And in terms of, um, I don't have like, the background of the transitional process that was set up. But uh, I only voted um, in 1999 because that was the first time I qualified to vote. And... Um, after that, I mean, I understand even a bit less. After that, I've never voted because, I mean, if we just look at uh, the list that the parties have released right now, I mean, it was uh, most of it a joke because you know, the people that, like, literally, if they were going to actually stand on their own feet and then be running for a specific area to say that I'm going to represent you as a member of parliament in this specific area, yeah. Most of them, they wouldn't win, uh, regardless of which party they come from. Yeah. They wouldn't win, hands out. Uh, uh, the only thing that we have right now is that almost seems like um, constituency-based uh, like, uh, democracy that still allows uh, the electorate to hold the elected officials accountable. Uh, it's at local government level because Usually, like, some people who know their um, uh, councillors um, and know that the councillor of this specific area is this person, regardless of what... Um, uh, uh, Godfrey, I, I, I'm, I'm losing you. Uh, you. You're becoming more and more inaudible. I don't know whether it's because you are on, on there, but uh, the, 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 what I'm getting is that, one, many of the people that appear on the lists of the various political parties wouldn't stand a chance of being voted for by the people if they stood by themselves. So in your opinion, they hide unbe- well behind the glory of their party. Uh, and that is unfair to the electorate because they are getting people that are not necessarily uh, connected to the communities from whence they come, if I understand you correctly, Godfrey. 
Uh, you're 100% right. All right. Divide the country into foreign constituencies. All right, uh, go, 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 Godfrey, let me stop you there. Sure, let me stop you there. Godfrey is in Reimser. Thanks very much for your call. Felix seems to think that it was a matter of laziness, that the process wasn't taken further to really explore a new electoral system as per the, the vision by the fathers of the constitution prior to 2001. You agree or disagree? Well, I disagree, um, Aubrey, purely because it's... it's oh, we're getting a bit of feedback from your ears. Don't worry about it. Go ahead, yeah? All right. I'm saying I disagree because we must appreciate the fact that where we were... Um, you know, in 1993, 1994, there were very good intentions. And whatever that was put in place, it was put in place because it was thought to be the best available option. But Given also, the pressures of that time, yeah? Yes. And I mean, remember, we are a very fragmented country before then. And I mean, nothing much has changed really, even to date. So the intention was to really bring unity among, you know, all South Africans. So we must appreciate where the whole thing was started, which is why it was clearly made and deliberately made known that this is a transitional system. Yes. And after one term, it's supposed to change and look at something that is going to be more inclusive, something more that is going to be to the benefit of the, you know, all the citizens of the country. Yes. So I, I disagree with him in terms of that. But where I agree with him is the fact that even the opposition parties who were part of the process from the beginning were, have never really raised it sharply, you know, to say this was supposed to be a temporary... I mean, if you look at a person... Is it like, because they too have been beneficiaries of the system? For me, th that is my view. I mean, if you so look it, at a it person... So it can't be laziness. The fact that, the fact that this, this process wasn't seen through can't be laziness. It would seem to me to be expedience. Look, if you take a person like Chief Mangosa Tupoteles, who was the political principal of Fonseil uh, uh, Slabat, why has he been silent on the matter? Yet he was the Minister of Home Affairs. He understands the ins and the outs of this electoral system. To date, he has not raised any issue around this matter. You know, so I'm saying it has been that experience that you're talking about. Oh, double one eight eight three oh seven oh two. That's the number to dial if you're here in uh, Johannesburg. Oh, double one eight eight three oh seven oh two. If you're in Cape Town, oh two one double four six oh five six seven. The implications, Bulelani, are are staggering. They are. They are staggering in the sense that if what you are suggesting is true, if what you are saying is as per the legal issues you sent, you went to court for on the 7th. I want to talk a little bit about that. I reiterate what I said two weeks ago. Then our electoral system is unconstitutional and therefore illegal. Not only that, Aubrey. We literally have an administration that does not have the political will to tackle this matter. So not only is our electoral system unconstitutional 
thereby being illegal. The people that were trusting to bring change are the very ones who are very comfortable with this setup. And whatever we do, you know... Um, but I mean, that means all of them, from the ANC to the EFF to the BLF to the Freedom Front, plus all of the people that are participating in this particular electoral system as it stands at the moment, are complicit in the perpetuation of an unconstitutional setup. Well, I am certain about the ones who were definitely part of the process from 1994 until 2004. Um, even at 2006, because I believe the DA did bring this matter around 2006, um, but it was shut down because they just did not have the numbers to even challenge them, you know, the governing party. You know, so I fully agree, you know, with you that the, all those guys are, are, are complicit. Yeah, but simply but, but, by their participation. I mean, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 what did you guys go to court for on the 7th of March? Well, we we went to court to say two major things. The constitution says every adult citizen has the right to stand for public office and if voted for hold that office. So we were saying it's in in chapter 2 of the constitution and chapter 2 deals with the fundamental constitutional rights. So we're saying there is a fundamental constitutional right that people of South Africa have been deprived of for the last 15 years at least. But there is no arrangement at the moment, Bulelani, that says independent uh, candidates may not participate, is there? There isn't. But the issue is the, the, the legislative arm, the, you know, which is the IEC, um, is not making any provisions to this point, for the independent candidates to be able to stand both for national and provincial election. So that's why we went to court. That was number one, to say, please judge Desai. Listen to the cries of South Africans. With all the mess that we're in, we believe that part of the solving of this issue is to the ability of South Africans to be able to choose their own president directly, for example, people that they trust, even those cabinet ministers, um, South Africans must be able to choose that, or at least that president can be able to say, these are the people that I trust, and these are the people that I know will be able to turn the country around. So that's number one. But number two is the very issue that we have raised here. And Dr. Fansels Labert raised it in his report in 2003, way back 2003, to say, Currently, we have a legislative vacuum in our electoral system, and that vacuum has never been filled to date. How does it manifest itself? It manifests itself in, in, in this matter of just having a, a, a proportional representation that does not give South Africans any accountability. There is a huge gap between the electorate and the MPs, um, South Africans, when they vote and they put their cross on the voting day, Aubrey, what you are literally doing, you are effectively signing a contract with a government to say for five years, I'm giving you um, 
all the, the, the liberty to do as you please for the next five years. We've had, and, we've and if had, I'm not happy yeah. with you, I have no recourse. We've, we've had a number of parliamentary inquiries and, and so forth into Eskom, into all sorts of things. They have literally been toothless. Of course. Is that why? Is that why they are toothless? Is that because, is that, is that perhaps because of that legislative vacuum you're describing? I think partly that has a major contribution. But again, you must remember these commissions of inquiry, it is because our administration does not have the, has not shown any political will to deliver on these matters, which is why they now defer their responsibilities to the courts. You know, uh, and to this, co- you know, to these commissions of inquiry. Very quickly, let's talk to Tabo in Johannesburg. Tabo, hi. Hi, Abbas. Yeah, hi, Tabo. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I caught the discussion in the middle, so maybe this ground is covered. But sure. I'm interested in finding out whether or not your guest has contacted the CASAC, the Council for the Advancement of the SA Constitution. One, two, the IEC. I know you asked him about the IEC, but yes. I didn't get a clear answer. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tabo, l- listen on the on the on the radio. I just want to take one more call, and then we'll allow Bule- Bulelani to finis- finish his uh, thoughts. Dumsani, hi. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, Dumsani. Very, very quickly, thirty seconds. Okay, my brother. I'm uh, 21 year old. Yeah. Yep. I'm sitting and listening to this show. What Mr. Bulelani is saying is quite vital for all of South Africa. Yeah. This guy must put this on all platforms, even if he goes to Daily Sun, because 90% of South Africans are sleeping and not hearing this information. Even if you as the radio support him, South Africans need to get this before we vote. Well, I don't know if we support him, but we are interested in what he has to say. It's not even about support. This is fairness. South Africans deserve to hear this. Me, my whole life in school, I was not taught this. Tonight is the first time I'm listening to your show and I hear this. This is 702 for the curious, Dumsani. Thank you very much for your call. All right. Where have you taken this besides the courts on the 8th of, I mean, the 7th of of, uh, March? What was the outcome? Have you spoken to KSAC? Have you spoken to the IEC? What is the institutional appetite for what you guys are saying? Except perhaps those of us very late at night talking about this, myself and Dumzani included. Well, I'm going to be honest uh, with you, um, Aubrey. Um, we have not approached KSAC, uh, but of course we've been engaging IEC on this matter for the last six years or so. Um, and we had hoped that we were going to find a, an amicable resolution uh, to this matter. It's a pity that most of the revelations that we have, you know, have just come about in the last three or four weeks, you know, where we really, we, we've seen that these guys had never had any intention of resolving um, the issue of the legislative vacuum. Instead, the status quo is what they would have preferred uh, to continue, and that is exactly what did what the IEC are. say? Well, the IEC has been saying to us, look, um, if if you want independent candidates to stand, just go to court. I mean, that's, that has been their attitude, unfortunately. And we never felt that that was the right thing to do uh, because we, as, as, as far as the Constitution goes, we thought that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. So on those bases, they should have looked into Where it. Where to from here? Well, it's the courts, and we are hoping that... Um, 
and from here we are we are planning to really go on a massive campaign to get South Africans to know about this unconstitutionality of our electoral system which we believe has a, a direct implication as to where the nation is and all this corruption because of the lack of accountability. Uh, and we we are hoping that the judge will be fair to say this right has been delayed for 15 years, which means ordinary South Africans who had wanted to contribute positively in this nation have been denied that right for the last 15 years. How do people who want to continue this conversation with you, maybe who want to support you with whatever campaigns you uh, follow, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, 082-778-6031 is my number. Uh, Let me repeat it. 082-778-6031. National Coordinator at New Nation Movement. Thank you very much for talking to us. I watch this situation with with very keen interest. Thank you very much for joining us. It is midnight time for Eyewitness News. In South Africa, women have fought against racism and sexism. Let's join hands to fight violence against women and children. On the 28th of March, 2019, President Cyril Ramaphosa will sign the GBV Summit Declaration government and its partners commit to working together in ending the scourge. For more info, go to www.gov.za. Be part of the change that matters. A message from government.